Brother Don, ladies, thank y'all very much. Great job, appreciate it. My honor to be here with you today, and it's uh, certainly uh, good to have visitors in the uh, service. And, uh, and I know there are many that would like to be here that's not able to be here and, uh, because of sickness. And uh, well, let's remember them in our prayers. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Second Kings chapter uh, 19. <laughs> I'll be very referring to most of uh, Second uh, Kings 19 and possibly Second Kings 18. But I just want to read these verses, beginning reading in 14, verse 14. Yeah, I changed again, Devin. See, I do that. And, uh, 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. What I'd like to share with you this morning is man's extremity is God's opportunity. And while I'm going through this message, I want you to think about the, the word extremity. Reach a point, if you will, of no return. The end of things. And I think sometimes we reach that point in our, our life. But when man's extremity... The time that we reach a place that we're ready to give up, it's God's opportunity to work and how he does work. I appreciate the opportunity and privilege that the church allows me to be here with you, certainly praying that you might find a man that God has for you. Begin reading in verse 14, once again in Second Kings chapter 19. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow thou thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods. But the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hands, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of heaven, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. 
for this another opportunity that we have to approach your throne of grace in prayer. We thank you for being a God that knows the prayers of our heart. We thank you for being a God that not only knows, but you hear. And you see the conditions that your people is experiencing. And we know that you're a God that cares about them. And you care about everything going on in their life. We ask you to bless them. Bless your people. Bless your churches. Bless all things that's done to magnify your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this occasion that we have to come together. We thank you that it's your day. And help us to honor you on this day and every day of our life. We ask you to bless this time that we have together to every decision made. Everything said and done might exalt the very name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Reaching the end of one's way, knowledge, or strength, we look at the word extremity. But it's God's opportunity to speak and be heard. Came and God said this through his, Isaiah, his prophet Isaiah in verse 20. Very important words. I have heard. Very important, isn't it? When we lift up our voice to a righteous and holy God. He hears and he cares. Hezekiah had to reach the end of his strength and he turned it over to the Lord when we look at verse 14. Hezekiah was a smart man. Hezekiah was a godly man. Hezekiah was a caring man about people, God's people. And so when Everything, it seemed like his world was turning upside down. And enemies were surrounding the camp of Judah. He spread it out before the Lord. But if Hezekiah had not reached the end of his wisdom and strength, would he have laid it out before the Lord? Would he have called out to Isaiah, the prophet of God? Hezekiah, on various occasions, turned to Isaiah. But God had finally gotten Hezekiah and the nation of Judah's undivided attention. And now they were willing to listen. Isn't it amazing sometimes what it takes for God to get our undivided attention? Man's extremity has ever been God's opportunity. And I think this truth runs throughout the whole Bible. And I want us to consider it for a little while this morning. Man's extremity... It's God's opportunity in salvation. Only when we reach the end of our own strength and knows 
We are helpless before a righteous and holy God. That's what Hezekiah reached the end of his strength. And he realized that the only place he could go, the only help he could ask for, was the God of heaven. And sometimes, folks, that's what we need to get when we ask him to save us. And to come into our heart and to save our, save our souls from a wretched condemnation before a righteous and holy God. There's so many examples of this in the Bible. Y'all remember the woman who touched him for healing in Mark chapter 5? She said, if I could but touch his garment. She had given up hope for any help at all. She had spent all the wealth that she had. She had gone all the doctors and the physicians and everything else. And Jesus come through and close to her. And she said, if I could but touch his garment, not, not him, but touch his garment. She said, I will be whole. That's pretty an exciting thing when you think about it, folks, in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 29. And the moment, the moment she touched his garment, she was healed. And the Lord Jesus, I know I've said this, cried out, who touched me? And his disciples around said, people all around you are touching you and feeling you. Oh, but he felt something special in this woman's touch. And he turned around and she knew, she knew, he knew that virtue had gone out of him. And he said, thou faith. Your faith has made thee whole. Isn't it amazing, folks? In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Do you know that's where we fit? The ungodly? Do you know there's some 35% of people that are saved at 13 years and younger? And after you reach the age of 19, maybe 6% of people are saved. That's why we need to thank God for Vacation Bible School. Thank God for our youth camps. Thank God for these teachers that teach the children. Because that's the age that you're going to reach the children with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Does that mean that adults old and older can't be saved? Certainly not. There's just a less of a chance that they will be. I know you can be saved after that, because I was saved when I was about 26, and many of you may have been the same way. But listen, folks, Romans 3 and 10 says, As it is written, there is none good, no, not one. You know who is involved in that? All of us, folks. Isaiah said in Isaiah 64 and 6 that our righteousness are as filthy rags. We need help. And the only one that can change that, the only one that can help us when we need Jesus Christ as Savior of our soul is Jesus himself and the convicting power of God's Holy Spirit. Unless God's Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, draws us to Christ, then we can't be saved. 
except the Holy Spirit of God draws us to him. Somewhere along the line, if you were saved, then the Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart and a hold of your life, and he pulled you, and you finally realized that you were lost, and you were a sinner before God, and he was the only one that could help you and set you free from the bondage and captivity of sin. And listen, folks, nothing has changed. What we have in Christ, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. What does that say? It is a gift of God. We need to understand, folks, this baptistry back here will never save anyone. This church building, church membership will never save anyone. The only way you're going to be saved if you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, admit to him that you're a sinner before a righteous and holy God, and ask him to save you, to forgive you of all your sins, and a heart that is so dark and cold and filtered with sin, is all of a sudden is cleaned up before God. Free, free, because of the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, if you've had a plan and it's failed, then try God's plan. You can succeed with God's plan. And listen, folks, the only way this church is going to succeed is if God is in control. When he's in control of your meetings and this church and your decisions, there is victory that will come. Man's extremity is God's opportunity in salvation. But I want you to notice something else. Man's extremity is God's opportunity in divine protection. Listen, when the nation of Israel stood before the Red Sea, they was ready to stone Moses. He said, why? They said, why have you brought us out here? We were okay in Egypt. We were okay as slaves. And now you brought us out here and the army of Egypt is behind us. The wilderness is around us and the Red Sea is before us. But you know what God said to Moses and the people? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes, folks, we need to get quiet. Sometimes... We need to get still and just listen to the Lord. Because when God spoke, he began to open up the Red Sea. And the nation of Israel, the Bible says that they walked across on dry land. I know we live in a world of society said that's impossible. But we serve an impossible God that does impossible things. He dried up that Red Sea and the nation of Israel crossed that Red Sea on dry ground. I get out of my car sometimes and I get a little close to the curb. And because of all the construction and everything else, there's still mud. There's no grass. And so I step off in mud. My wife makes me move if she's going to get off over there. They didn't go across on muddy soil. They went across on dry land. Listen, folks, when Jehoshaphat confessed to God that the nation of Israel had no strength against the armies 
of Moab. Listen to what happened. He said in 2 Chronicles 20 and 12. You ought to read that whole chapter. We don't have time to get into that right now. But listen to what Jehoshaphat said. Neither know know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. He said, we don't know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. You ever reach that place and point in your life that you just don't know what to do? And put your eyes on Jesus. He's got the answer. He's got the solution to all of our problems. When Jehoshaphat confessed to God that Israel had no strength against the invading armies of Moab and said in 2 Chronicles, Neither know me what to do, but our eyes are on thee. 2 Chronicles 20 and 15, he said this, And he said, Hearken ye all, Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but mine. You get it? What you're going through, what you're experiencing, your sisters and brothers in Christ, your family, it's not your battle. God said, it's mine. It's my battle. Then God gave the plan and the victory. And not one of the enemy escaped. When you look in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15 through 24. The nation of Israel just went up on this little steeple. And they looked out there. And all they could see was dead bodies everywhere. Jesus said, God said, this battle is not yours, it is mine. He's still the same God today, folks. He's not changed. The battles that we face from day to day is not ours, it's His. The battle that the Lord churches fight today is not ours, it's His. He is still in control. He's still God. And there will never be none beside Him. You remember what this great king Hezekiah said? said, all these kings, all these gods, so-called gods, that the invading armies have destroyed, he said, they're not gods. They were just gods that was made by hands. They were not gods. You are the, the God that created heavens. You are the God that created the earth. You're the God that oversees everything. He's my God. He's your God. He knows everything. When the disciples feared for their lives... As a ship tossed to and fro. The Lord said. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Listen folks. He's not changed. He's still God. And he's still saying the same thing in us. Each and every one of us. Oh but. We're so much like Peter. You see when you look at. When you look at Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 through 23. Peter said, if it's you, Lord, then allow me to come to you. 
Look at the scripture, folks. Peter got in the water, and it said Peter walked on water. He walked on water. When did that change? When did it change? When he took his eyes off of Jesus. Then he began to sink. And then he cried out, Lord, save me. What do we do today, folks? So many times we have a zeal for God. We want to do, go and to do. And so many times we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to sink. Then Peter cried out, Lord, save me. What did God do? He saved him. He reached out his hand. And listen, folks, <laughs> he's still reaching out his hand to us. How many times? I want to walk on water. I think I'm invisible. And then I lose sight. I begin to see the storm. I begin to see the winds. And my ship is tossed to and fro. And my tail, I take my eyes off of Jesus. And I begin to sink. And I cry out, Lord, save me. And he reaches out his hand. I've got you. I got you. Isn't that amazing? I remember one time when I was in North Dakota. We was out in the middle of nowhere, storm, below freezing weather. Why we was out there, I have no idea. <laughs> but our car ran out of gas, and I said, let me see if I can go get some help. And I started walking out across some fields, and I had no idea where I was going. And I was getting cold. My feet was getting cold. My body was getting cold. And I was just about ready to lay down. You know, when you get that point, you're just going as far as you could go. Then the first thing you know, I looked up, here come this tractor with a couple of men. They said, we saw you. We were butchering hogs, and we saw you walking. You ever think about that? God sees us, folks. God is in control. Still today, he was 2,000 years ago with them. He's still in control. When all hope was taken away, that they should be delivered, Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord and spread it all before the Lord. And God's, uh, God said in Isaiah, and, uh, verse 20, through Isaiah, I have heard. I have heard. Listen, folks, there's not a thing that we can say that God doesn't hear our prayers. When your problems are bigger than any answer you can come up with, do like Hezekiah did. Spread it before the Lord. You ever get to thinking that your problems are bigger than any answer you can come up with? Lay it out before the Lord. Spread it out before Him. We can't solve the problem. God can.
was talking with my grandson this week. His name is Cody. And I want him to understand more than anything else just how much God cares, how much God loves him. And he said, Grandpa, you lost everything. Talking about the flood. And I said, Cody, I didn't lose anything. If I had, it's still material things which can be replaced. More importantly, we have God. And we've got everything. Whether we got anything in this world doesn't matter. When we have Jesus, we've got everything. We've got everything. Then I want you to notice something else. Man's extremity is God's opportunity in divine provision and supply. I want you to read with me again verses 14 through 19. And I want you to see that in 2 Kings chapter 19. And listen very carefully to what King Hezekiah said. Understand, man's extremity is God's opportunity in divine provision and supply. And Hezekiah received a letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thy ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, I beseech thee, Save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. God's will is much bigger than churches and Christian company. Wherever you lead, you need him leading you. Wherever you lead, you need God leading you. When the brook Charity dried up, there was no water, and Elijah faced starvation. Listen, God said, Arise and get thee to Zephyrath in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 and 9. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Isn't it amazing? When he got there, Elijah found a woman that was preparing her last meal for she and her child. And he asked her to provide him a meal. 
She said, oh, Lord, you don't understand. I'm preparing the last meal for my son, and then we will die. And he said, bring me my meal. God will supply. And isn't it amazing? God supplied over and over and over again. He's still the same God that supplied for Elijah. Is the same God that is supplying for us even, even today. She wasn't cooking her last meal like she thought. But she cooked for Elijah. She cooked for her son. And she cooked for herself for a long time. Oh, sometimes, folks, we forget who's in charge. Sometimes we forget who we're serving. Sometimes we forget who is God. When man's resources are gone, we need to look to God. In Philippians 4.19, I want you to open your Bibles there, if you will. Philippians 4.19. Very, very important scripture. He says this in verse 14 of Philippians chapter 4. But my God, who's God? Who's Apostle Paul talking about? He said, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God. Over and over again, Apostle Paul says this to the church at Philippi. Over and over again, he says this to the church at Corinth. Over and over again, he says this to the church at Colossae. My God shall supply all your needs. He's saying the same thing to us today. My God shall supply. Your God shall supply all your needs. I don't know about you, but my God is able to take care of me in all circumstances. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his, and the rest shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That seek ye first. That's all he wants of us, folks. That's all he asks of this church. To seek him first and put him first in our life. He's able to make all grace abound toward us in 2 Corinthians 9 and 18. But then I want you to notice also, man's extremity is God's opportunity and fruitfulness, soul winning, and evangelization. Hezekiah knew that all this that he was facing was out of his control. But he turned to God. Listen, folks. Great commission was given to this church to evangelize the lost and dying world. And that commission was given to each and every one of us. Yes to the pastor. Yes to the deacons. Yes to the members. Everyone that's been saved and washed in the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been given the the commission to evangelize a lost and dying world. The most important thing we will ever do for our families the most important thing we will ever do for our friends to, is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. When that happens, a change takes place in their life that's exciting to each and every one of us, and it's something they will never 
ever forget. Listen, folks, only when we reach the end of our strength and depend upon the power and strength of Jesus can we be fruitful. Jesus said in John 15 and 5, without me, you can do nothing. If we want to be a church that wants to be successful for the cause of Christ, if we want to be individuals that's successful, if we want to be families that's successful, then we need to understand. We need to turn it over to him. When's the last time we prayed for someone to be saved? When's the last time we introduced someone to our God, to my God, as Savior of our soul? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. When you look in Philippians 4 and 13, folks, that needs to be the motto of this church. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. When the disciples toiled all night and exhausted their wisdom and strength and had taken nothing, then he said to the to disciples, Jesus said to the disciples, throw the net on the other side. He said, but Lord, we fished all night and we caught nothing. Throw the net on the other side. Peter threw the net on the other side. And you know what happened? More fish than they knew what to do with. They had to say, Peter, John, come and help us. We're sinking. Obedience. Obedience to a righteous and holy God is why they were successful. Obedience to a righteous and holy God will make us successful individually, as family, and as a church. We want to be successful. Throw it on the other side. Give it to Jesus. Listen to what he said in Psalms 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Oh, folks, we need to be weeping in behalf of those that are lost without Christ. And we need to be bearing this precious seed to a lost and dying world because someone shared it with us. Listen to what Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. In my speech, in my preaching, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Folks, our wisdom is not in the power of men, but in the power of God. The Philippine jailer, said, what must I do to be saved? The most important question anyone will ever answer. What must I do to be saved? They complicated things. Brother Don gets up. Sister Karen comes. You know what they said to this Philippian jailer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But he also said, thy house. 
Did he mean just because that Philippian jailer, that his whole house was going to be saved? No. But he knew if this Philippian jailer did what he was supposed to do, then his family was going to follow suit. And the same thing is true today, folks. If we do what we're supposed to do as servants of God, as children of God, then we'll see changes made in our families, in our friends, and in our relatives. Because God is a great God. And he cares about you, and he cares about your family. He cares about your loved ones. Hezekiah said, they were just gods. They weren't a real God. Now, God, you prove yourself to them. You prove yourself to them that thou art the Lord God, and there is none beside you. He knew what he was talking about, folks. He's our Lord. He's our God. He's the creator of this universe. And one of these days, this resurrected God, resurrected Savior, is going to come back and take us out of this old world. Have you trusted Jesus as Savior of your soul? If not, I would encourage you to do it. If you have, if you have, I want to remind you of what a great God that you have. What a great Savior that you have. And your prayer request, just like Isaiah told Hezekiah, I have heard. God has heard. God hears your prayer. What do we